more. One of my favorite passages of scripture, especially on Easter, is the passage of scripture that says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead can give life to our mortal bodies. And I feel that life in the room this morning. I feel the excitement. I feel the energy. I feel the love of God. And I feel so much camaraderie in the room this morning. Don't you? It's amazing when we come together and we worship together as one church what God is able to do. So we are um, going to be talking about the life of Christ this morning and uh, sort of looking at his nature and his character a little bit. And as we talk about the resurrection, we know that the resurrection, even though it is the most important aspect of the story, it's only one aspect of the story. If Jesus hadn't lived the life that he lived, the perfect life that he lived and performed all the miracles that he performed and did all the things that he did when he walked this planet, and, and oh, by the way, he's still alive this morning, right? Not only did he, re- he resurrect from the tomb, but he's still alive this morning. He's, he's alive and he's seated at the right hand of Almighty God and he's, he's actually praying for you this morning. He's interceding for each and every one of us this morning. But uh, I want to talk about the life of Christ and more specifically, I want to talk about the prophet of promise because Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. We talked about uh, last Sunday, his kingship and how he rode into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. It was a triumphant entry, and he rode in on a donkey, of all animals, right? And uh, he rode in, and he was triumphant, and he came as the king. Uh, Friday night, Good Friday, we talked about the fact that he became our high priest, as he also was our great sacrifice, dying for our sins. And uh, this morning, we're going to reference the fact that he is the prophet of promise. So he's prophet, priest, and king, right? And so we want to start out with John chapter 20, verse 31. John chapter 20, verse 31. At the, really, towards the end of John's gospel, we find these words. And they are so important, and we're going to see why they are so important in a moment, but they're so important because it's sort of like a rearview mirror. And uh, really, John is looking back over everything else that he's written. And by the way, John is one of Jesus's inner circle, right? He's one of his, his most confidant uh, friends, if you will. And so he writes from a very personal perspective of who Jesus is. And towards the end of his gospel, he says this in chapter 20, verse 31, he says, but these are written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is saying, everything that I've told you already, everything that I've revealed about the nature and character of Jesus is really so that you may believe. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. And as a result of believing, you may have new life in Christ. Now today, and I'm sure it's already started to happen, but today is going to be one of the most popular day for snapshots taking photographs, right? Uh, It's probably going to be one of the highest days of selfies, right? And I know some of you, you got ready this morning and said, ooh, I look so good, I just have to take a picture of myself. (laughs) I mean, like it or not, that's just the society we live in, right? We're, We're always snapping pictures of ourselves. But today is one of those 
days that we will take pictures of, you know, we're in our, our nice our nice threads, you know, we, look, we dressed up for today and, and we're probably gonna take pictures throughout the day of maybe family and friends as we gather together. I know uh, yesterday we were together as a family and my parents were up and we had, um, you know, four generations under the same roof. I think it was right, four, is that right, Tiffany? <laughs> I've got it, I came down with a cold of all times. Easter Sunday morning, that, that kind of stinks to get a cold on Easter Sunday morning. I, I sound like I sound, I feel like I sound like this, hopefully not. But um, anyway, we were together yesterday and we were taking pictures. We were taking generational shots, you know. We were taking like my parents who are great grandparents to Merida, holding little Merida. And it's just, it was so cool. And, and my daughter, Tiffany and granddaughter Kira are in town. Isn't it wonderful to see them? Always wonderful for them to be with us. They're, they live a long way away in Louisiana. That's, that's a long distance off. And so they flew in on Friday and they leave tomorrow. So it's a quick trip, but we are so glad that they got to come in and see us. And, and uh, as many of you know, there's been a new addition to our family with little Merida and we'll, we'll dedicate her here sometime soon. But I think she must be out eating or something out there. <laughs> She gets a little fussy when she comes to worship, but that's okay, you know? Glad she's here. You know, you don't really have to worry about me complaining about kids and babies because I'm, I'm glad they're here. A church without kids and babies is a dying church, right? So, you know, we'll deal with the noise from time to time. I'd rather have that than, right? <laughs> So snapshots, we're gonna take photos today and maybe a lot of selfies and whatnot. But we don't always think of like scripture, the Bible, the gospels like being snapshots, right? But actually it's, it's more than a historical narrative. It's like we can look in scripture and we can see portraits or snapshots of who Jesus is. And I, I wanna take us through a series of snapshots and, and you're probably gonna go, oh no, he's starting in chapter one and there's 21 chapters in John. I promise you, they're going to be quick just like you were taking photos, okay? Because that's essentially all they are. They're snapshots, they're quick photos. But I want you to pick up, I want you to pick up on each portrait and each portrait represents a character attribute of who Jesus is. Every single one of these portraits reveals his character and his nature. The first is found in chapter one and he is called the son of God. Jesus is referred to as the son of God, a portrayal of his deity. You know, the word says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God. The word was with God and the word is God, right? And so he is the son of God, but he also, as we look at in chapter who is the son of man. And that illustrates to us very clearly his humanity, both his divinity as the son of God and his humanity as the son of man. And in chapter three, we see that Jesus is a divine teacher, right? Matter of fact, we see a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus and Nicodemus and, and Jesus are talking about life. And, uh, you know, how many of you have had a conversation with someone recently and you were talking about life? 
You're talking about the ups and downs of life. You're talking about how do we live this life, so on and so forth. Well, this is actually the chapter from which we get John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave us only, one and only begotten son, right? And Jesus said that to Nicodemus as he was having a conversation with him. And Nicodemus says, we know that you are a teacher. We know that you are a teacher and that have come from God. That's what Nicodemus says. In chapter four, we see that Jesus is a soul winner, that he literally cares for each and every person. And he is actually in chapter four having a conversation at a well with a Samaritan woman. And we don't quite understand the dynamic of that, but um, you know, culturally speaking, the Jews didn't interact with the Samaritans. Right, but Jesus crossed that line. He crossed the social barriers that separate us. Thank God he did. And those barriers, by the way, friends, are no longer there or should no longer be there, amen, right? But we see in chapter four here where Jesus ministers to this woman at the well and reveals to her the very heart of God, the very heart of God. Then in chapter five, Jesus is referred to as the great physician, the great physician. I am so thankful that Jesus is the great physician. Amen? How many of you have been through something physically lately and you've cried out to Jesus and said, I'm so thankful that you are my healer, that you are the great physician, right? And, and for those of you who may be visiting with us, I had a, a major surgery to begin the year and, and was out for a number of weeks. I'm telling you what, I was so thankful during that time that I could call on Jesus as my great physician, amen? And Jesus in chapter five reveals his great compassion by attending to the sufferer, showing his divine power by caring for the hopeless and the sick. And, you know, I want to just lift up a prayer request to you this morning. Um, Ron Tomasic brought to our attention his wife. His wife is struggling with cancer right now. And I want to encourage you just to say a prayer for Christine this morning as this is a very difficult day for her and continue to pray for Christine over this next week, if you will. Christine Tomasic, write that name down and say a prayer for Christine this morning and pray that the Lord is Christine's great physician. Amen, church? Matter of fact, let's pray right now. Lord, that you would minister to Christine. Your healing touch, you are her great physician and we call upon your name and pray that by your stripes she would be healed, that your touch would be upon her even now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. In chapter six, we see that Jesus actually refers to himself as the bread of life, the bread of life. You know, without him, the souls of men would go on forever being hungry and thirsty. And of course, I'm talking about the solistic uh, and the spirit aspect of our being, you know? Um, we love to eat, yeah? I mean, we are a church, and churches love to get together and fellowship, but if you haven't noticed, we can't fellowship very well without food. <laughs> and food's always involved in fellowship. I, they're the two F's that go together, food and fellowship, always, right? I trust that you came early this morning and had breakfast. I thank Andrea and her team for all that they did. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
the pastries, the yogurt, the juice, and hopefully you got some nutrition there. If you missed out, I don't know what to tell you. You got to pay a little more attention, right? But, uh, you know, you're going to have another opportunity here in a few weeks as we have an opportunity to raise some support for our teens to go to camp. Be a part of that. We love to get together and eat, and we look for excuses to get together and eat. Right, church? We do. Because Jesus is the bread of life, right? But he not only takes care of us here, our stomach, our physical nature, but he restores our soul and he gives us life, life everlasting. In chapter seven, Jesus is referred to as living water. He is flowing. You know, living water is not water that just collects and becomes stagnant over time, right? But living water is water that flows. And wherever water flows, there's life in that water. And there's life in Jesus. In chapter eight, the defender of the weak. Jesus is the defender of the weak. And and, and there's a great story, and I don't have time to retell the whole story, but here's a woman who is deserving punishment, like some of us in the room, by the way. We're deserving of punishment because we've lived life the way we wanted to live it and, and sin and so on and so forth, and we deserve punishment. But here you see Jesus step in, and he is a defender. He is a defender of the weak. And there's this woman who's just about ready to be stoned, okay? And I'm not talking about this kind of stoned, all right? <laughs> just clarifying, okay? Or that kind of stone, just clarifying. But these kind of stones, you know, like they were going to stone or kill her because of her wrongdoings. But Jesus steps in and Jesus says, no. And he gets down on the ground and he draws on the ground and he stands back up and he says, hey, he who is without sin cast the first stone. I don't know about you, but I'm not throwing any rocks right now, right? And they dropped their rocks and they walked away. Because Jesus was a defender of the weak in this moment. In chapter 9, the light of the world, among his many miracles, he gives light to the one who is born blind. Man, over and over and over again, we see Jesus performing miracles in his life. Throughout his time here on earth, he performed miracle after miracle, and nothing was too difficult for him. And friends, let me tell you something. He's the same today. The same Jesus that walked this planet and did miracles He's still able to do miracles for you and me today, right? Because he is the light of the world. In uh, chapter 10, we see that Jesus is the good shepherd. He watches over the flock and he cares for their needs. He cares for the needs of the sheep. And, And this is the passage where it says that he willingly laid down his own life for his sheep, right? In chapter 11, he's the prince of life. He proves his right to this title by ministering to Mary and Martha when their, when their brother Lazarus died unexpectedly. What they didn't know is that Jesus was just about ready to resurrect Lazarus, but he shows compassion. He shows love first and foremost to Mary and Martha. And then he just, hey, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. Just like we sang in the song earlier, you know, graves in the garden, come out of that tomb. And he calls them out of that tomb. By the way, that was was sort of like a, 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 a prelude of what was to follow with his own life, right? It was a prototype or a prelude to his own resurrection. 
the king in chapter 12. He rode into Jerusalem and, and claimed to be the king of Israel. He's the servant in chapter 13 as he washed the disciples' feet, right? He expressed what it looks like to be a servant. He's the counselor, counselor, and he comforts his disciples. He, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you, but if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also, Right? He's the true vine in chapter 15. Are you with me? We're still taking, these are snapshots. These are portraits of the nature and character of Jesus. The true vine is the source of spiritual fruit. He's the giver of all life and he is the gift giver as he gives the Holy Spirit to his church. On his departure, he promised that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come and fill each and every one of our hearts. Those of us who say yes to him, the Holy Spirit indwells us and then he can baptize us and empower us to live out Christ's mission. He is the intercessor in chapter 17, praying for himself, praying for his disciples and ultimately praying for you and me, by the way. He's the model martyr. He didn't defend himself. He didn't defend himself. You know, when, when the betrayer showed up in the garden and the whole scene with the ear being chopped off, you know that part? You know, there's parts of the Bible that should be rated R. You know that, right? I mean, it's blood and guts sometimes. But Jesus steps in and he says, no, let me, let me heal that ear. Puts the ear back on, heals it. But he also, he also does not defend himself when he's on trial. He knew the purpose for which he was sent. He's the savior in chapter 19, hanging on the cross. He becomes obedient even to death on the cross, right? In chapter 20, he is the conqueror of death. And that's what we're here celebrating today, by the way, friends. If you haven't noticed, that picture on the screen is a tomb and that, that stone is rolled away and Jesus is coming out of that tomb. And he's no longer in that tomb, right? He is alive forevermore. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave, by the way. And in chapter 21, he is the restorer. He restores Peter back to his place of leadership in the church. You know, that's, that's good news for you and me because sometimes we get off axis, we do things wrong, we, we, we follow Christ for a while and then something happens. And it, but Jesus is the restorer and he can even restore your life today, your walk today. Because not only was he the restorer and John captured that moment, that snapshot, if you will, but he is your restorer and my restorer as well, friends. And one that we didn't reference in that whole kit and caboodle there is a passage found in John eleven twenty five, And that is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And it says this, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, even though he dies, will live again. And they are given eternal life for believing in me. And again, he was foretelling his own resurrection, but also foretelling our resurrection. Because Christ resurrected, so shall we. Yeah, because Christ resurrected from the tomb, so shall we resurrect from the dead or perhaps in the, in the rapture whichever comes first. He arose, friends, on that resurrection morning. He arose and he is alive forevermore. I wanna read for you some select verses from John 20 and then a couple of verses from Matthew real quick here. 
story started with Mary Magdalene going to the tomb and uh, found that the stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away. She immediately ran to find Peter and John, who were leaders in the church, and said, hey, something's happened. Well, she thought, initially thought that the body of Christ had been stolen. So she's getting the leaders of the church to go to the tomb with her to look, to see what's going on here. And so Peter and John went to see for themselves and they bent over and they, they looked into the tomb and they saw the burial clothes that had been laid on top of Jesus. They saw that these burial clothes had been carefully folded up and laid at the head where Jesus' body had been. Of course, at this moment, they still didn't understand what was transpiring, and Mary stayed behind in the garden just outside the tomb. Now, in Matthew's account here, we see that Mary Magdalene was there, or I'm sorry, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with Mary Magdalene at the tomb, and and some believe that there were other women who were there at the tomb with them as well. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and Uh, was actually sitting on top of the stone or on top of the tomb. And his appearance, scripture says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Mary and Mary and the others who were with them? And look at the angel's response. And this is in Matthew 28, verses five and six. And we have this on the screen. It's really what today is all about. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Can you say that with me? Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Say this with me. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Amen. Amen. He's no longer in the tomb. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Man, powerful. So, you know, the question is, woman, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Who said that, by the way? Jesus. Jesus saw Mary there. He saw her crying, heartbroken, And he says to her, why are you crying? Is it you're looking for? And and immediately she thought, and and here's the thing, I think that she was crying so much. Have you ever tried to look through tears? Right? I mean, you don't even know who you're talking to if you get crying hard enough, right? I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but she thought that Jesus was the gardener, right? Right? Whether it was her tears that clouded her vision or, or Jesus just had to reveal himself by calling her name. I believe that he had to reveal himself by calling her name. But once he said her name, Mary, she knew immediately who it was. She knew in that moment that it was Jesus, right? You know, it's, it's interesting to me that it was in another garden many, many years earlier, the Garden of Eden, that a woman was deceived, but here, Jesus in another garden redeems what was lost in the garden of Eden, right? Jesus reveals himself first to a woman who was alone in a garden. Isn't that interesting? Coincidence? I think not. This is the kind of intentionality that we see all through scripture. This was actually the beginning of breaking the curse, This was the beginning of a new era in which Jesus was redeeming that which had been lost in the Garden of Eden. And in this garden, the curse 
was broken. Amen, church? On the third day, he arose. Now, I want to I end this service by reading for us what we have to look forward to. Does that sound good? This is sort of a, a preview of what's to come, okay? And that is our promised resurrection. Because Jesus resurrected, so shall we, right? Can you say that with me? Because Jesus resurrected, so shall we. And I'm gonna go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Interestingly enough, this is a passage that I will typically read at the graveside of someone who has followed Christ and, and now their life, their earthly body is being laid into the ground and it's sort of like a seed being planted into the rich soil to come forth later on as something new, something different. So I want you to think, even as I read this, think of seeds being planted in very fertile soil because that's what happens in John 15. And so we see here, and I'm just going to again read, I'm going to kind of skim this, this particular chapter. I want you to pick up on the highlights of it, okay? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. In other words, if Christ didn't come out of the tomb, what we're doing here is worthless, meaningless. But because he has come out of the tomb, it gives meaning to us, it gives reason for us to gather, reason for us to celebrate his resurrection, right? It says in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Goes on later on in the chapter and says, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of weed or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind, each kind of seed, he gives it its own body. Verse 42, so Will it be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. That's what Paul says here. I declare to you, brothers, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor, the, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Are you ready for this? This is the good part. This is the really, really good part. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin. The law, friends, this is the end result. I hope you're seeing that. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this part here, by the way, is just a huge explanation or an exclamation mark. I'll spit it out here in a minute. Ex. Exclamation mark. Now listen, it says, therefore, which means you're looking back, right? Therefore, you're looking back on what's already been said. My dear brother, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
You know what that tells me on this Easter Sunday morning? That we need to stand firm in our faith, believing, just like we sang earlier, firm foundation. That we stand firm in Christ and let nothing move us. Because the end result is, death is going to be completely obliterated when we're resurrected. Amen? That's the good news. That's the really, really, really good news, church. So I want to end with this thought. Christ is life. And the rest are details. I share this last week. It's just, just a little side point in my message. Because I used to have a little, little just a little paper, uh, a little cardboard slogan on my wall that said this. And I can't tell you how many times that spared me a lot of heartache when I just needed to refocus on what it was truly all about. Christ is life and the rest are details. Having him is having everything. Really is. You know, Frank Viola in his book, Jesus Manifesto, which is a great book, by the way, he said this, Christ is all I need. You can strip everything else away from me and I would be left with Christ. Essence, he says, you can take my ministry, you can take this, you can take that. He shares a whole list of things that you can take. He says, but I will still have Christ. In having him, I have everything. Friends, this Easter, let's make it all about Christ. The anointed one, right? The chosen one who stood in our place. Recall all of those snapshots of who Jesus was, but most importantly, who he continues to be. And every single one of those snapshots that I shared with you, he's the same. Scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God, right? So let's bring our attention to the centrality of Christ and make him literally the focal point of your life, the center of your life. Recognize his supremacy in your, in your life and also allow him to show you his sovereignty this morning, that he reigns and that he rules and that the good news is if we surrender our lives to Christ, we have the promised resurrection to look forward to. Yeah? That's what Easter is really communicating to us. That this is Jesus, all of this is Jesus. But in the end, if you'll continue to follow me, you'll be with me. You'll be with me. So make Jesus the center and the circumference of your life and everything in between, friends. Everything. Watchman Nee said, what really matters is the knowledge of the Son of God. To know him. That's what really matters. Boil all of life down to one statement. It's this, to know him, to know him. And just in closing, I want to read another passage from John, John 14, 6. And in that passage, Jesus says, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In essence, he's saying, I am the way in a lost world. I am the truth in a confused world. And how many of you know we live in a confused world? <laughs> very, very confused, right? Seems to be more confused all the time. Jesus says, I am the life. And he's also the light in a very dark world. 
So let's turn to him. I'm gonna ask you, if you will, to bow your heads with me for a moment. I know that there may be many of you who are visiting with me today and this may be one of the only times that I get to speak to you. I hope not, but it's perhaps the only chance that I'll have. And I just wanna know that every single one of us has an opportunity to know what it means to follow Christ, to know him personally, to live for him. So with your heads bowed, I wanna encourage you right now just to say yes to Jesus. If you've never prayed a prayer of commitment to follow Jesus, I wanna lead you in prayer. And I want all of us, if we can, just to pray this together to assist those who may be praying it for the first time. Lord Jesus, I come to you. All of these snapshots, all these portraits of who you are stirs within me a desire to know you, a desire to live for you, a desire to commit my life to you. Take my life, Jesus. Forgive me of all of my failures. Wash away all of my sin and give me an opportunity to experience life everlasting. Come into my heart. Take over my life. I desire for you to be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Friends, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, First of all, we want to welcome you into the kingdom. Right, church? Right? Yeah. Amen. But also, we want you to tell somebody that you prayed that prayer. Maybe somebody that invited you or it doesn't matter. Just tell a complete stranger, hey, I prayed that prayer today. They, I guarantee you they will rejoice with you. I guarantee it, right? And uh, I, I just want us, if we can, to go out of here this morning victorious, knowing that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is giving life to our mortal bodies. And what better way to do that than music, right? You heard Pastor Chris say that the choir is going to come back. Choir, make your way back up here. And as they come back up here, I, wa I, I want to read just a few of those lyrics that they sang earlier. Maybe you didn't pick up on them, but I want do you need this, stand? guess when the sound man says you're done, you're done. <laughs> no, I don't know. Something just happened with my mic. Wasn't him. It says, remember those walls that we called sin and shame? They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died and he rose. Those walls are, listen to this, rubble now. <laughs> I love the chorus. This is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. Amen. So let's sing this as a victorious anthem before we leave this place this morning as we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and because he rose, so shall we. Right, church? So let's sing this to the Lord as just a declaration of our gratitude and thanks for what he's done for us. Are you guys ready? Sing it, choir, all right? You guys can sing with us. You can stand to your feet at any point if you want to, and you can also remain seated. But we're going to go out here worshiping.